Welcome in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a wonderful guest joining us from a familiar theater company. For those of you who've been with us for a while, we have the director, Emma Miller, who is also the co-artistic director of the Hearth Theater Company, who we had on earlier last summer. You'll remember Julia Greer. They joined us to speak about a show. But today we have Emma Miller joining us to talk about their latest show, Brain Smash, which is playing March 2nd through March 19th at 59E59 Theaters, one of our favorite theaters. And we couldn't be more excited to have her here. So Emma, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me and for having us back. I'm so excited to have you back. In fact, I'm so excited about this show. As I've said so many times before on Stage Whisper, 5090 59 Theater is one of those few places in the city I feel like you you can really never see anything bad there. So any show that ever comes there is definitely going to be worthwhile. So the fact that your company is here, you've got this great new show, Brain Smash. I'm so excited uh, to learn more. I'm excited to see it myself. So why don't we kick things off by having you tell us a little bit about Brain Smash. Sure. So I would say first, we love 5959 also, and it's our second time producing there in the same space. And it's really fun for us to see how it can transform. So we're excited for you to to see it also. Brain Smash is a funny, sad, semi-autobiographical play by Sophie Weisskopf that my company, The Hearth, commissioned about two years ago, maybe three years ago now. It feels like it's the anniversary of the onset of the pandemic. So it was around then that we began our developmental relationship with the project. And it tells the story of a young novelist who is hit by a car and suffers a traumatic brain injury. And through a great deal of humor and a lot of honesty uh, and, and some pretty courageous writing and performances, the show looks at what happens to someone who can't do what they used to be able to do and investigate some of the things that I think we take for granted about our abilities. And obviously her social life changes, her professional path shifts. She can't look at screens anymore. So to be a writer and to try to do your work without screens is quite a challenge. And it's a it's a show about invisible disability and access and who sticks around and who makes an effort when things get really hard. Wow. I, I didn't see half of that coming. I was like, oh yeah. But it's really funny, which is the part that's sort of hard to articulate. But the fact that you said it's semi-autobiographical, biographical makes me go oh yeah okay totally because nothing's funnier than the truth exactly then someone's telling their own story that's right yeah they're like i could find humor in these little parts of it kind of thing so oh my gosh this sounds amazing so how did you come upon this story you mentioned you started developing it about three years ago with the playwright could you remind me of their name I can, yeah. It's Sophie Weisskopf is the playwright. And we as a company commission and develop new work by women and by writers of marginalized genders. And Julia and I, who run the company together, knew Sophie before her accident and and had known her for a long time as a writer. We had done a workshop of a play of hers many years ago, and she was very much on our radar as someone whose voice we really believe in and whose work we were excited about and hoping we would have the opportunity to really sink our teeth into. And then we both knew her socially and knew about her own traumatic brain injury when when it happened about four years ago. 
and we're sort of following as friends and also as supporters her recovery and her journey. And just around the onset of the pandemic, she let us know that she was writing about that injury and about a writer with that injury and sent us a very early draft, which was the first thing that she had been able to really write since her own injury. And we read it and were pretty much immediately captivated and really taken with her sort of, I think, breathtaking ability to speak about something that she's she's not past, you know, it's not over, it's ongoing. And to be able to write about something with that much honesty and candor and, and humor and grace that you're still living through pieces of really blew us away. So we sort of instantly said, wherever this goes, we'd like to go there with you and developed it a bit virtually um, with actors over the course of the pandemic, which was its own challenge because screens are hard for people with TBI and we were all screens at that time. And then we're really lucky to develop it actually at 509059 a year ago right now as part of their space lab and then to to dive into a full production this this spring. That is amazing. So that brings me to my next question, which is what has it been like developing the show, especially as the director, now that it's a full-fledged production? It's been a real gift to develop the show. It's the first thing that I have a first full production that I've directed since the pandemic. So it's been really special just to be in a room with human beings making something, which feels like something that I had begun to take for granted and was really struck throughout the rehearsal process just by how lucky I was to be there. And it's it's made easier to feel that way by a group of really phenomenal collaborators. But bare bones, I think we all felt really enamored with the writing and really glad to be a part of the process. More specifically, this particular show has been really fascinating to develop because of its subject matter. And the the actress, Julia Weinberg, who plays Maisie, also suffered a traumatic brain injury. And so to be in a rehearsal process where we're sort of radically reimagining how we do things so that we do them in a way that feels safe and hospitable and inclusive, but also makes the story work has been really interesting and it's been a great learning experience for me as a collaborator and I think has made us all more generous and and more rigorous about what we're what we're doing and how we're doing it it was really important to Sophie all along and thereby became really important to me and to Julia that we tell this story carefully and that we produce it ultimately and design it in a way that means that it can be about sensory overload without being dangerous or harmful or painful for people who experience sensory overload. Mm -hmm. And so the development process sort of had that as its mantra the whole time. Like how do we set set out to create a story about someone whose pain and frankly like visual stimulation we want to make clear is a problem without overstimulating the people in the play or the people who are watching the play and that has been sort of an endlessly exciting puzzle to figure out wow that is amazing and and the fact that you have both a leading actor and a writer who have both been kind of in the same boat together that's incredible to be able to find that, to come upon that, you know, it's it is. It felt really get. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt really important. And it's also so interesting because it means that we're hearing multiple versions of the same 
experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, same diagnosis, same title, but radically different symptoms, different injury, different course of injury. So I think we, those of us in the room who do not have that experience have learned a lot from their ability to sort of share with us and, and their willingness to be pretty open about it. I love it. So what is the message or the thought you're hoping the audience will take away from the show? That's such a good question. I feel that to me, one of the core messages of Brain Smash is about seeing people as whole people and understanding that there's probably a whole lot more going on for someone than you have access to, no matter how well you know them. And also that there are all sorts of invisible disabilities, invisible illnesses that affect people in a variety of ways and that are not yet prominent in our culture and in our society and that we tend to cast those folks aside, which I think a lot of us learned over the course of of COVID actually, but that issues of access and issues of whose stories are told and whose stories are valued and who is seen as worthy of friendship or employment or time or patience or medical care in our society have a long way to go still. A freaking men. Well, my final question on the first part of this interview is who do you hope have access to your show? Another really good question. I hope that that folks who have sensory processing issues or who feel sensory overwhelm or feel visual limitations will be able to see the show and will be able to see something of their own experience reflected back at them in a way that maybe they've not been able to see it before. Also, of course, that people with traumatic brain injuries specifically feel like they can come see the show, but also honestly that that theater goers and New Yorkers and people who are not as well-versed or steeped in disability come and see it and see it you know, because they're coming to see a show, but maybe unexpectedly learn something or see something a little bit new in the process. For the second half of our interview, I want to shift the conversation onto you a little bit more, as on our show, we not only talk about these shows themselves, but we talk about the artists and their experience in the theater. And I want to start by asking you what shows or composers or playwrights in the past have inspired you or are some of your favorite? I love that question. I think like many people in the theater, I grew up doing musical theater. I'm not talented in that regard, but I did spend a lot of time on the musical theater stage. And I love two very classic musicals that taught me about theater and made me fall in love with theater. That's The Sound of Music and Fiddler on the Roof, which don't really fit the kind of work that I do now, but they feel really seminally important to me. I love so many playwrights, many of whom are my friends and contemporaries and collaborators. I think that Some of the playwrights that inspired me when I was in school or sort of deciding whether or not I would do this were people like Claire Barron and Sarah DeLapp. 
I love the work of Gracie Gardner and Bailey Williams, who are writers that we've collaborated with at the hearth. And I generally tend to feel really inspired and moved by plays that sort of unsurprisingly because of what we do as a company, but by plays that put girls and women on stage in ways that reflect their whole personhood and show us maybe something that we've not gotten to see them do before. I love that whole list. That's amazing. So I know you've been busy with Brain Smash. It's been currently running. It's it's wrapping up its run, but we're still getting to catch it. I still want to ask, have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Oh, such a good question. I am seeing Dark Disabled Stories, which I have not seen yet, but which I'm very, very, very excited to see. I'm seeing that like right after our run. That'll be my first my first piece of theater back. And I also very recently saw The Trees at Playwrights Horizons, which I thought was really stunningly beautiful and has, I think, not gotten all of the acclaim that it deserves. So I would encourage people to drop everything and go see it. Agreed. And I think it's really hard. Like, we don't really often take a play on its own terms. And I think it took me a minute to understand the container. And then once I was willing to say, like, this is what it is, I loved it. So I hope lots of people see it. So I now want to ask you, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Oh, I hope this is not super cliche, but I would say the thing I love the most about working in the theater is that at least what I do is something that you can't do alone. And I feel really bowled over, particularly on this process, I think, because it's put... I don't know if it's post-COVID, we're still COVID, but it's post-lockdown. Really amazed by the generosity of theater artists and uh, by people's willingness to say, that's not my job, but I'll do it anyway, and to really be earnestly collaborative together. And I also love that it takes believing in something and believing in something as a collective in order to make it happen. I think it's really hard to make good theater if you don't believe in it or don't find something to love about it. And that feels sort of like a radical act of love to me. Oh, that's so awesome. And that is not cliche, by the way. Well, now we've arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and I'm very excited for your answer. And it's, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Okay. I can't believe I'm telling this in a public way. This is definitely my most embarrassing theater memory. When I first moved to New York City, I was an, I had an observership sort of like internship at Playwrights Horizons. And I got to sit in a room and watch other people work. And I felt really... <laughs> like my job was to be invisible and to learn as much as I could. And that was like my little mantra every day was like, I'm just gonna not disturb anyone. And it was tech and I'd never been in a professional tech before. I was taking it really seriously. I was really young and I was asked to sit and be on book in the front row of the theater on the first day of tech. And I did my thing and I like glued my eyes to the page. I wanted to be really successful. And then it was time to take a break. And I stood up and turned around. And because I was sitting in the front row, everyone was still at the tech tables facing the stage. They were staring at me and I was staring at them and both of my legs were asleep. And so in front of all these people that I had tried to be very impressive in front of, I just like crumbled into a little puddle on the floor. And that was really humiliating, but felt like a nice 
introduction to, to professional theater. No, that is a great story. That is, you wear that with pride. That is. I amazing. should. I'll get it printed on a T-shirt. I love that story. That is fabulous. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Are there any other productions or projects that you or the Hearth have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? We have just, this is the third show of a season of three. So we are wrapping things up, but people should stay tuned. We will be doing, we we will host something that we call a virtual retreat, which is a virtual call for submissions with some prompting ingredients sort of early in the summer. We expect to do that. So folks can find that on our social media or our website. And otherwise they can stay tuned for information about what's to come after that. Amazing. And that's the perfect setup for my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about Brain Smash or The Hearth or about you, maybe they want to reach out to you, how can they do so? Such a good question. So for more info about Brain Smash specifically, the 5959 website or our website, which is thehearttheater.com is the best place to go. Otherwise, our website is great and we have a button on the website to subscribe to our newsletter, which we promise not to spam people with, but which is a great way to stay in touch. And we're also pretty active on Instagram and Facebook, also under the name The Hearth, uh, and make sure that we post everything there about auditions and submissions and upcoming shows. Well, Emma... Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and talk about this incredible, I'm going to believe you, this incredible comedy, but this also incredible drama too. I cannot wait to see the show. I get the good fortune of seeing it tonight, the day of of our recording. So I look forward to reporting back about how amazing it is. So thanks for talking with us. Thanks so much for having me. And I will be there tonight. So I hope to get to meet you in person. Yes. My guest today has been the co-artistic director of the Hearth Theatre Company, Emma Miller, who is currently the, the director of their new work, Brain Smash, which is playing March 2nd through March 19th at 59E59 Theatres. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting the 59E59 website, which is 59E59.org, Or check out the Hearth Theatre Company website, which is thehearththeatre.com, and that's theater with an E-R. You can also follow the Hearth on social media, Instagram and Facebook, at The Hearth Co. And you'll definitely want to stay up to date for all of their future productions coming on the pipeline. They've also got their virtual retreat coming up. So make sure just to stay on top of everything that this theatre company does. They've got some great works coming. You don't want to miss out on it. But for now, make sure you get your tickets to see Brain Smash. This sounds like an incredible show. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. 
Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.